Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. And I am here in the Condé Nast podcast studios with Laura Redman and Sebastian Modak. Say hello. Hi. Hi. Guess which one is which. <laughs> and by FaceTime, we've got Todd Plummer, who is a writer for Condé Nast Traveler. Laura and Sebastian are well known to all of our podcast listeners, of course, as editors for Traveler. My name is Brad Rickman, and the subject of our podcast today is traveling to Boston. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. It's a good time to go to Boston. I always thought Boston in the fall was perfect. The temperature is perfect. You can feel the leaves changing. It's so crisp. I don't know. Boston in the summer is amazing, too, because all the students are gone. Oh, so that's true. It's just like three quarters of the city empties out and got it all to yourself. Okay. So this is both a good and a less good time to go. I'm well, from now, th- now through the it? fall. Yeah. Labor Day weekend coming up. If you hop up there this weekend, great. But I really feel like through early November or Todd you're there right now do you think early November is a little too late does it get too cold you never know in New England I mean November can be warm and sunny or it could be snow so yeah okay so we all have to confess our relationships to confess. Yes. <laughs> because we have different relationships so right. what's yours as everybody knows uh, I talk about it all the time I grew up in America's greatest food city according <laughs> to Bon Appetit Portland Maine and so Boston's not unknown to me. It's not an unfamiliar city. We were down there. That was the big city that you went to when I was in high school to have your big city night out with your friends and whatever. We also went there for plays and museums and things, culture, mm-hmm. culture, because there is no culture in Maine to speak of back then. Tell me you're going to slip, slip in New England accents throughout this whole podcast. I, I don't, I, I mean, it, clearly I don't have one. Well, you just, you just did a little bit. I, yeah, okay, maybe. We'll see <laughs> Sorry, how that as, goes. As, as you are. We'll see how that goes. I also have family that lives just outside of Boston, so I am up in the area frequently, and we go into the city for, you know, things to do. So uh, I have some knowledge, but not detailed knowledge. You guys, Laura, what's your relationship with Boston? Yeah, I lived there for a couple of years. When I went to grad school, I went to BU and did the Kenmore Square thing. I did the Washington Square thing. I also have family from there, so I'm up there at least once a year, if not more. But um, Boston's kind of one of my second homes. I think I have four or five. <laughs> one, of your, yeah. <laughs> one of your top five homes. Right. How about you, Seb? Yeah, I moved there fresh out of college uh, as a scraggly musician and wannabe writer. I was living across the river from Boston proper in in Cambridge. And yeah, I lived there for about two and a half years. And then moved to Botswana. As one does. As one does. For something now now for something completely different. What would be after Botswana? Bulgaria. (laughs) Then Todd, what about you? I grew up here in Andover, which is about half an hour north of the city. In my Siblings and parents always worked in town, so I've been going in and out of Boston for as long as I can remember. And yeah, now that I'm a travel writer, I feel like whenever I need to come home to my parents to do laundry, I always try to (laughs) (laughs) grab dinner in Boston or, you know, poke in and see how the city's changed since I grew up here. It's a great first city, too. I was just thinking, I I think I had my first real job. Of course I did. It was out of my master's program, but you did, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point and something worth noting because I think there are several of those in the U.S. and Boston is definitely one of those because I think it says something about the character of the city that it sticks with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But before we do, I want to point out that Brett, our engineer, our editor really, also went to Berkeley. So everybody has something to do in this room virtually or truly 
has something to do with Boston. We've invited Brett to pick up a mic. He has declined, <laughs> but he's there in the background. He's going to fact check us against, I don't know, things about Berkeley. <laughs> so what is it about Boston that makes it a great first city? Well, so he, I have feels about this, <laughs> strong feels, and I think it's a double-edged sword. So I think, and I'm going to put this as delicately as possible. I hope I don't offend you, Todd. <laughs> um, but I just think Boston is a city, and this applies to visitors as well as, tra- as people who go and live there. It's a city that, in a way, sometimes acts a little too big for its breaches, oh, as they dear. say. Oh, dear. <laughs> and I mean this, hear me out, hear me out. I think that sometimes, you know, because of the role it's played in American history, because of the role it plays in American sports, this, all the schools that are there and everything, it has like kind of a larger cultural import than the city itself implies it would. I mean, it doesn't even come close to breaking the top 10 biggest cities in the U.S. In fact, I'm pretty sure it doesn't even break the top 20. But What's the population, Todd? Do you know offhand? The population of Boston proper is only about six or 700,000. Yeah, right, which is okay. hard to believe. Than San Francisco. So, yeah, yeah. so, so my, my, point much, being, right. my point being that like, I think sometimes visitors and even people who move there have an expectation for Boston mm. that doesn't always line up because you kind of hear about Boston in the same sentence as New York or, and, and you know these other big northeast cities. And you get there and you're like, well, it's not that. It's not like the giant cosmopolitan American city. But if you take it for what it is and if you go in with the right expectations, it can be a very charming, a very uh, physically, like aesthetically beautiful city to look at and a really easy place to live and have your first job. I mean, whenever I think about living in Cambridge and, you know, living around Boston, I was like basically living on my bicycle. I was biking everywhere. And the first thing that always comes to mind is like, you'd stop and you'd be like, where am I going to lock my bike? And you'd turn around and of course there's a fucking bike rack. Yeah. It's like, it's just like a very like manageable, e- easy place to kind of transition into real life yeah. or to visit for like a nice weekend away from a bigger city or, you right. know, things like that. I think that's the same reason it's great for travelers too, especially right. if, I don't know, if you're coming from outside the U.S. and you want to get a sense of America. I mean, it has, it's, there's still so many parts of it that have the historic buildings, the whole Freedom Trail, right? Freedom Trail. Faneuil Hall, um, you know, Boston Commons, but then you can kind of walk the entire yeah. city all the way to Coolidge Corner, which is where a lot of people live, but also has a lot of fun, like th- little theaters and restaurants and things like that. And it, may- it might be a good like morning's walk. But yeah, I used to do that on a Sunday. I'd walk from Central Square in Cambridge where I lived, like all the way to Faneuil Hall if it was a nice summer day. And yeah, you can do that in a couple of hours or right. to the North End and you're having incredible Italian food. You know, it's just like, oh, it's End. very manageable. So yeah. I think it's for me... I agree with the things that you said. I would also say they're true of other good starter cities like San Francisco. Mm. And the other thing I would say about them that I think is great for visitors as well is both of those cities, Todd, you can tell me if you disagree with this. (laughs) Both of those cities, I think, punch above their weight class culturally. Mm -hmm. And I know they're both, you know, San Francisco is approximately 700, 750,000, Boston 600 or whatever. That's not that different. They're both geographically kind of confined. So mm-hmm. San Francisco, because it has the hills, it's difficult to walk, but it's not that big. It's seven miles by seven miles. It's not like New York, which is sprawling. It's not like Chicago, which is sprawling. Houston, you know, Los Angeles. But I, I, th- I do think that, you know, from a kind of arts, pers- like big C culture arts, 
both of those cities, and this is certainly true in Boston, like the symphony orchestra is world class. Way better than a city of that size. Yeah, it's true for in the Museum of Fine Arts. Museum oh, of Fine Arts is amazing. I don't know, Todd, what do you think about that? Um, I always come back to Boston because I love the history. I think that's something that it has on other American cities that is really sets it apart. I mean, this is the birthplace of the American Revolution, and people have been living here for as long as they've been living anywhere in the country. So I don't know. I think the combination of old meets new is something that has always appealed to me here. That's something that's very palpable there, that sense of history, right? And this is a reason why people go, for sure. One of the big reasons why people go, much like Philadelphia in a different way, right? What are some of the biggest representations of that? What are the things that people gravitate toward that express that sense of history there? As Laura just mentioned, I think the Freedom Trail is sort of a neatly packaged tourism experience for people visiting Boston. I think you can walk the whole thing in like an afternoon and there's all sorts of like colonial era churches and graveyards and things that have been really well preserved that are still kind of in the heart of downtown Boston and really accessible. So what is the Freedom Trail? I'm not clear about this. This is one of those things that, given my, my weird middle distance with Boston, I'm, I know it's there. I've probably been on parts of it, but I'm not totally clear on what it is exactly. Can you describe it for listeners? So the Freedom Trail is sort of a uh, two or so mile long path on the sidewalk. It's sort of delineated with this line of red bricks. Um, and it goes, I believe, from Bunker Hill up in Charlestown, um, and it goes sort of through downtown Boston to the Boston Common and along the way connects maybe about 15 or 20 historical sites. That's um, a pretty good like cross of the city, like yeah, Char- Charlestown all the way, you know. Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to do it led by somebody dressed as Paul Revere. <laughs> like you can also. Which does, that, is, does that really happen? That happens and it's like my worst nightmare. But you can also just like go do it by yourself. And there's like amazing online kind of walkthroughs about what you're looking at. And there's an like app. That. Yeah. Well, you, and you Probably. can jump on and off so easily too. Like I yeah. feel like I always do an hour of it and end up in the North End and I get the detour to like Mike's Pastry and get cannolis and then I detour again to Losteria and I get an amazing bowl of pasta maybe in that order maybe not I don't know but like I don't think I've ever finished it because I keep getting Mm -hmm. stuck in the north end on a food tour the north end by the way is the uh, like the Italian historically Italian epicenter of the city it still very much feels that way movies are filmed there um, because its look is like 100 years old I remember being there when Italy won the World Cup and I made a beeline for the north and and uh, the streets were packed and there were f- you know tricolor flags everywhere and everyone was drinking peroni in the <laughs> streets it was it's fantastic and you actually get a lot of expats uh, living there as well yeah the north end is legit that yeah, was a, that, a joke. we spent the 2000 the what do you call it the y2k y2k oh, cool. thank you there you go in Boston at my wife and I like commandeered we weren't married then um commandeered my brother's apartment Keep which was in no, we we commandeered my brother's apartment and we like went to the North End to buy a bunch of stuff because we were going to cook. And it was legit. Like the Salumeria 
the cheese, everything that you get, and then the restaurants and everything there are legit, like old school Italian kind of places. You know, there are lots of cities in, in the United States that sort of have versions of that. Boston's is one of the most authentic. The North End is very authentic. Aside from the fact that it's like incredibly charming mm. to just hang out in and walk in. Well, that's one of my favorite things to do on any trip. Um, Todd, do you hang out there or do you? Oh, I love the North End. That's like an essential stop anytime I'm in town. I actually had lunch at Neptune Oyster there last week. Oh, yes. how is that? I've heard so much I about mean, it. You can't go wrong. It's like amazing. All right, um, we're, we're going to talk about oysters because I heard that Eventide opened up a place at Fenway. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about neighborhoods for a second. This is something we try to give people a sense of. Do neighborhoods matter in Boston? I think so. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yes, totally. Okay, so what are the neighborhoods that matter in Boston? What do people need to know about? I would say, especially for travelers, North End will be the first sort of neighborhood they should experience because it is so distinct from the rest of Boston. Back Bay is also a really significant historical neighborhood. It was uh, previously was... uh, Charles Riverbank until the mid-1800s when it was filled in and sort of developed with all these beautiful brownstones. And so where is Back Bay geographically if you're looking at a, you know, a map of the city? If you're looking at like the heart of Boston, like downtown around Boston Common, it's sort of just to the west off of the public garden. Copley, Boylston, okay. uh, Newberry Street, Berkeley College of Music, Berkeley College of Music. Shout out, Brett, and it's <laughs> Commonwealth Avenue. Commonwealth Avenue. Beautiful street. Homes there. I wanted to buy a yeah. home if there, but I was tourist, a poor journalist. You know to call it Com Ave. Com Ave. Yeah, right. There you go. I lived on Com Ave. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then you're just getting into the Fens and Fenway at that point too. Yeah. Which and I'd okay. also I'm gonna make and I know it's technically it has its own mayor and things like that, but I would say I think. If you're visiting Boston, you're probably visiting Cambridge and oh, maybe yeah. Somerville as well. And basically from Back Bay, if you keep going and cross the Mass Ave Bridge, sorry, that's Massachusetts Avenue Bridge, <laughs> um, you eventually you go through MIT and then you hit yeah. Central Square, which yeah. is where I lived. Yeah. And while Central Square is not the most scenic three blocks um, in the Boston area, <laughs> if you go a little further in, and I've actually sent a lot of friends doing this and they've really had, had a great time into like the Cambridge Port area, which is very residential and just like super picturesque, but it's like a great place to try to find an Airbnb and like kind of make that your base. And then you can, you know, rent a bike or take the tea or whatever into the city of Boston when you want. You also have very easy access to Harvard Square and Porter Square and Central Square and all those other squares in Cambridge, along with all the corresponding squares in Somerville. I don't know why they called everything square, but... Well, it gets very confusing. Yeah, but, um, they were English. Yeah. Why? Uh, they're oh, just, they're but just it's the, intersections. It's the only <laughs> sense of order across the entire infrastructure of the city because everything else was like a cow path lane. Yeah, it's laid, very true. Right? It's like if Manhattan is like, you know, the most easy to navigate city in the U.S., Boston is not. Oh, but like no, but because Boston drives Manhattan below Wall Street. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. And crisscrossing area. Yeah. Era. It is. It was all made mm-hmm. out of. Well, cow I never pads. even thought about that, but yeah, it's totally true. It's yeah. just all these like diagonals and you know windy roads. Four, that don't, yeah. four roads intersecting doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So Google Maps is your best friend. Yeah, if you're going to Boston and you love driving, I would not recommend doing that there. I think the public transit mm. is so good. The T is fan- the T is the above ground and a below ground transit subway. Super bikeable. Too, Super bikeable. If the weather's good. Um, 
Okay, so those are the kind of like solid class. I, I do think you include Somerville, and we can talk more about this. And then that's later. Like, like the, on the other side of it, in terms of outer kind of townships, there's Jamaica Plain too, which yeah. I'm a big fan of, and has kind of been on the rise in the past few years. I have a lot of friends moving there. Yeah, the a lot comedy of live scene out there. is really good there. Yeah, there's a great cafe scenes, a great bar scene. Increasingly, there's a great music scene as other places get shut down because of high rents. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend checking that out. Too. And if you're like 20 years old and want to party, Alston is always a safe bet. Alston, Alston Rock City. Mm-hmm. Or Alston Rat City, depending on how you want to put it. Oh. <laughs> you know, you're a musician. You always... Oh, I hung Did out you play Alston. bars in Alston? I played basements in Alston mostly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, that's where the bars are. Um, Todd, what are the up-and-coming neighborhoods? Are there Are there neighborhoods that once upon a time were sort of down on their luck or, you know, not exciting in one way or another. What are those in, in Boston, if that even is happening? Uh, there are a couple neighborhoods that have changed a lot and are up and coming, especially in recent years. But I think the most prominent example is the Seaport District. Okay. Mm, yeah. yeah, good call. Which for a long time... Yeah, it was like desolate, right? For a while? Yeah, it was desolate. It just languished. It's like where cruise ships came. There's a convention center there, but not much else for a long time. But then um, restaurants started to slowly open up in that area and convert some of the historic buildings. Um, is it so waterfronty? Yeah. It's very waterfronty. And I would say half of it is kind of historic warehouse buildings, and then half of it is very new build, skyscrapery kind of condo buildings. It's funny because uh, when I was living there, that was always such a mystery to me. When because like you know sometimes I'd go down there to see the the ICA is there, the Institute of Contemporary Art, and stuff. It's like right on the water, and that was this was you know what I don't know eight years ago or something, almost ten years ago. But like I'd walk. I thought you were gonna say like twenty. <laughs> no, but even I'm so old. but just so recently, <laughs> as recently as that, where you'd kind of walk along the water and you're like, why haven't they done anything with this? Yeah. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing views of the harbor and everything else and. It was just kind of desolate. So, I mean, last time I went back to Boston was probably like two years ago, and it was a completely different neighborhood. Yeah, and it's literally, you know, adjacent to downtown. It's super right. accessible. Is from... this where Tufts is? Like, wh- I, mm-hmm. I'm, no. No, it's, it's just south of the North End, right? It's, making... it's like just by South Station almost, right? It's like Yeah, it's yeah. just okay. across the All water. Right. Okay. Yes, that's where yeah, I used to about. work. That was yeah. a dump. That's Dead where. Zone, sorry, yeah. sorry, neighborhood. Um, that's where they filmed The Departed when they're... Spoiler alert, someone falls off the top of the building. <laughs> well, oh my God. right there. I saw it happen. I saw them film that scene. It was fun. No, but this is like this happened in other, I think, New England cities and other cities as well, which is that like this new build mix, like this beautiful old architecture got neglected because people couldn't figure out what to do with it. And so they built all these new things. And that that blend of those two just sort of sat there kind of like identity less for mm-hmm. decades. And then finally, it sounds like you've got people going in and getting a little creative with it because you've got so many assets that they can work with. So, Todd, what is a good, not to put everything on you, we can all talk about this, but what's a good home base for someone visiting the city? What's a good sort of, you know, we've talked about the fact that it's an easy city to get around, but, you know, what are the different flavors? And if you're a traveler coming for the first time, well, let's can we say, debate this? I want to You can totally debate this. Yeah. Todd's take, then I'll. Yeah. Todd's I think for a first timer to Boston, the best place to stay is going to be somewhere in Back Bay, Beacon Hill, because it's super central, super walkable to everything. You can be in the Boston Common in like 30 seconds and have a lovely afternoon in the park. Um, but it's still very charming and feels very Boston. Is there a hotel right around there you'd recommend? 
I love XV Beacon is yeah. a great. Yeah, that one constantly Beacon. tops the Reader's Choice poll for mm-hmm. Boston. And then how far is the Liberty from there? The Liberty is in Beacon Hill. Okay. I love the bar in that one, or just the Liberty is built out of a former prison and um, has a big open atrium in the middle and um, like rail, like wrought iron railings going all the way up. And then there's a really great bar down in the lobby that, I don't know, you could just that hang out. cool. Yeah, you could hang out at the Liberty. But XV Beacon is like top, top. Yeah, that place, every time I see it come up on that pole, I want to go check it out. Mm-hmm. But I have no reason to stay in a hotel in Boston. Um, okay, so so we got one back bay Beacon Hill vote. What was your... I was going to say, I mean, Back Bay is the loveliest yeah. option if you really want to be in the mix. It's um, close to shopping, too. Like, yes. That's the shopping district. Well, that's that's the thing. I, I would spend an afternoon on Newberry Street yeah, just kind of prowling sure. up and down. Um, you what, could. What is it like these days? It used to have like comic book stores, record stores still mix does. in with all. It still does. I mean, it's a little, I think. A little more sheesh. A little, and then like also a little hipper, too, and less like rugged, but. And then the closer you get to, because basically if you can walk all the way to Boston Common on it, yeah, and the closer yeah. you get to Boston Common, the more kind of Gucci it gets. Yeah, um, exactly. Alice and Olivia, Bottega yeah, Venata. Exactly. And then on the f- closer, the side closer to Fenway and BU, you get Newberry Comics. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's I, still yeah. there. It's still mm-hmm. great. Yeah. There's also a fun little stationery store right there. That I, can't, I tried to find the name of it because I really wanted to plug it, and I can't. But just go to Newberry Comics and then go across the street, <laughs> and there's a fantastic store there. <laughs> Um, I would have said Hotel Commonwealth as an option. It was recently mm-hmm. renovated. It has a, another great bar, the Hawthorne, in uh, down on its lower level. It's a minute from Fenway. You can actually see it from the roof. There's um, an outdoor patio. And on game day or when they have concerts at Fenway, you can hear it from that patio. I had my grad school reunion there. It was great. Um, and then you can you can walk into the fray. It's more of a fray, though. Like, What's the fray? What do you the mean? The fray is Fenway on game day, man. Oh, are we all right. I was gonna, I was gonna make that a whole thing, but if we want to talk about that now, we can talk about it. They're doing well right now, aren't they? As <laughs> much as I hate that's to an admit. understatement. Okay, they're cr- they're crushing everybody. The they're, Red Sox and Cajuns. Baseball. Right. Baseball. Right. This day, is a, yeah. a sport with a ball, sub. Cricket. Yeah. We're talking about cricket. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not soccer. Or cricket. <laughs> no, or cricket. People it's eat hot dogs. <laughs> They're called Fenway Franks. <laughs> oh, that's like, okay. Like sausages. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lansdowne has changed a little, I think. It's actually gotten a little nicer. It's the street. Uh, there are two streets bordering Fenway Park, and they are loaded with bars and restaurants. And I don't know. Todd, have you been there recently at all? Uh, like earlier this year? Yeah. Okay. That's recent. Yeah, I feel like it used to be like all straight drunk pubs, but now I feel like there's a few more options. There's still a guitar center around there? Yes, right? there is a guitar center. <laughs> Am I right, Brett? On Com Ave. It was a couple of years ago that I, I was there, and I felt like it had become more self-conscious, which I think is true of Fenway generally. Like when I used to go to Fenway as a kid, there were no seats on the Green Monster, for example. Now, mm. and, and I know that happened a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's pronounced um, like, Monster. 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 So, Todd, can we talk, like, I'm going to assume you're a Red Sox fan. Duh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. For people not from the area, and I'm a Yankees fan, I I betrayed my youth, um, but my brother is clearly, you know, Red Sox fan. So we have this debate, uh, Yankees and Red Sox, mortal enemies for those of you who live outside of the Northeast. 
um, and <laughs> couldn't care less <laughs> or couldn't care less, <laughs> which is a completely legitimate point of view. You're wrong, but it's legit. Um, what are we talking about? Sorry. <laughs> Seb is going to zone out for the entire baseball portion. The New portion. England Revolution. <laughs> we um, should talk about football, too. <laughs> oh, Just kidding. I, yes, no, we'll it's Foxborough. It. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um, but try to describe for non-New Englanders the place that the Sox have in Boston culture. (laughs) (laughs) How much time do we have? How much time do we have? We have lots of time. It is a seamless part of New England life that you live and breathe sports, but especially the Red Sox. To, you know, put a little perspective on this, when I moved to Manhattan six years ago, my family thought I lost my mind. They thought that I, like, moving to the evil empire, as they put it. People still very much call the, like, Yankee country the evil empire. Um, It's so ingrained. It's like, it's a way of life. I I can't even explain, like, how deeply it runs around here. Well, I I got the flip side of that as someone who was raised just outside the evil empire and as a Yankees fan who moved to Kenmore Square. I drove up with my New Jersey plates on my car and I stupidly put my Yankee blanket at the top of my pile of stuff. Do your homework. I I had children. You were like, oh no, I need to be safe with my stuff in the car. Let me put a Yankee (laughs) blanket over it. I was young. (laughs) I had children and their fathers shouting, go back to Jersey. As I drove, I I was stopped in bumper to bumper traffic. I couldn't go anywhere on game day again. And they were screaming at me. And I do think, Todd, I'm sorry, but I think it is kind of one-sided. I think a Boston fan doesn't show up in New York and go like, do New Yorkers spit on them and tell them to go back to Boston? Maybe on game day. I don't know. I don't know. I I think it's a little one-sided. I think Red Sox culture is an even bigger part than Yankee culture in, in the community. Well, yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. I think it is a safer assumption in anywhere near Boston, Massachusetts, New England generally, even up to Maine, it is a safer assumption that anybody that you bump into knows what's going on with the Red Sox, cares about what's going on with the Red Sox, has feelings about what's going on with the Red Sox, than it is that you bump into somebody in New York and they you know, have that same feeling toward the Yankees. First of all, we got two teams. One of them is sort of sad, but we do have two teams. And... Second of all, it's just, it's just, there's something about the way that that team, and I think it has to do with the fact that the team was such an underdog for so long. Yeah. They're not now. If you are a very young person, you don't realize the legacy of this team, but I think that's very much a part of why it's like the Cubs in Chicago, right? Like they take an outside, that, that underdog quality where they just couldn't win and couldn't win and couldn't win for decades and decades and decades it takes a hold on people's sort of imagination in a way that, you know, teams that are in and out or teams that consistently win don't. Yeah, and the community gets excited. I've been in some of my favorite celebrations and riots in Boston. <laughs> oh, God. Multiple. They were fun. Riot? Riots don't sound fun. Uh, it was jovial and up to a point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you took the Yankees hat off. off. Don't worry. I can yeah. blend in. Okay. I'm small. Um. But Todd, would you would you tell a first time visitor going in the fall to try to get a Red Sox ticket over the weekend? Yeah, sure. Is it hard to do if you just um, rock up? 
Yeah, you can just rock up. There's almost always people like hawking their tickets out front, so you can get one last minute. Um, I mean, I haven't been to a Sox game in a long time, so I might not be the best to answer this, but my understanding is that they're pretty, like once you show up in person, it's pretty easy to find one. Once upon a time, it was a very small stadium, and it still is, relatively speaking. Is. That's yeah. the other thing about the stadium, and I think this is part of the mystique of the of the team that doesn't apply to like the Yankees as much as we love like Yankee Stadium and all that. Fenway is an amazingly beautiful ballpark, and it captures the spirit of that old school spirit of baseball that you still love about the game. When parks felt like they were parts of neighborhoods. You know, Yankee Stadium is great. I love it, but it's it, and it's great. You can get there on the subway, but it still feels like it's not in the heart of the city. And yeah. Fenway Park feels like it's right there in the heart of the city. It's part of people's lives, and that was what baseball represented once upon a time. And I think it still has that connection, even as it's expanded and gotten bigger. So I think it's easier to get tickets these days. I think it's totally worth trying. It is a magical experience if you like the game at all, or if you just like. Big, I went to a Red of, Sox game once, and you couldn't care less. Right? No, it was fun. I had a fun yeah, night. It's like, it's were you sitting yeah. behind a pillar? I feel like that you have to be careful with your seat no, we were selection. Like, there was like some section where you could just stand by a bar and yes. drink and watch. So I just watched it from there. Standing it was could be fun. more Boston than <laughs> standing around drinking, watching the Red Sox. <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> Probably drinking Narragansett or something. You know, it's very New England. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is a travelogue podcast, so of course we're drinking. And in honor of Boston, we're having some Sam... Sam Adams, of Sam course. Sam Adams Rebel IPA. Yep. And, we, and just the classic Boston lager. Too. Yeah, lager. the Boston lager. Um, <laughs> there we, it is again. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've talked about where okay, to stay. So, yeah, so we Fenway. talked about neighborhoods, where to stay, and we talked about Fenway. So, Todd, I think one of the things that was a perception of Boston for decades and decades was just not that much going on in terms of food. And I think that that changed a little bit in recent years, not even that recent, you know, going back 10, 15 years, maybe. Can you talk a little bit about where is it active now? What's going on now? Yeah, I mean, you touched on this, but for a long time, the food scene in Boston was pretty dry, I would say, pretty uh, kind of just very steakhouse and old Boston. Um, Shout out. But- I mean, one of the greatest resources Boston has is the large amount of universities and the diversity of student population that floods through this city every year. Um, And I think because of that, I think that's brought a lot of interesting influence to Boston that has helped the food scene sort of break out of its shell. Um, We're seeing like interesting noodle shops and interesting Asian tasting menu restaurants and great sushi and we're celebrating like really amazing local oyster farmers all of a sudden. And um, it just feels like there's a lot more diversity happening in Boston right now than there ever has been. So we can talk about people like Barbara Lynch, right? Who are, who are kind of like pioneers in doing interesting things, but working with mostly traditional um, New England cuisine patterns, Mm -hmm. if you want to put it that way. Who are some of the new folks and what are some of the new restaurants or neighborhoods, places where interesting things are happening these days? Um, I mean, a group that's been kind of interesting to me, at least, and I think they've had a big impact on the food scene, is the the guys behind Island Creek Oysters. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, they They sort of started as an oyster farm in Duxbury, which is kind of a posh suburb, maybe 40 minutes south of Boston, on the ocean. Um 
And it was these like guys that started an oyster farm as a hobby and then started selling oysters to their friends and then started selling to local restaurants. And before they knew it, they had like this really amazing oyster business. Um, and they have since started to open up restaurants, which have become, in my opinion, some of the most fun places to eat in Boston right now. What makes them fun? What do you dig about them? I mean, first of all, the seafood is amazing. They do a really great job of sourcing like the best seasonal fresh seafood. And it feels fun in a way and kind of less serious than food has felt in Boston for a long time. Hmm. Um, like they're not afraid to uh, take their the lobster roll at Island Creek Oyster Bar, for instance. Um, there are these like canonical foods in Boston, like the lobster roll, which has to be prepared a certain way. And if you mess it up, then, you know. Butter or mayo? I mean, I prefer a little bit of mayo. That's just me. Uh-huh. Uh, but the guys at Island Creek, they do like a great rosemary brioche bun and they're, you can get like a truffle fry. So it's sort of like amping up these Boston culinary favorites um, in a way that isn't sort of disrespecting the heritage of the recipe. Yeah. You've talked about the sort of legacy of Steakhouse, and I would also throw in like formality. There's a certain amount of, there's a certain sort of formality, which is not uncommon, you know, kind of in parts of New England. But is that loosening up a little bit? People letting their hair down a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, uh, look at Shoujo, which is a restaurant that opened in Chinatown, I want to say a year or two ago, but they're like a super fun uh, street food restaurant. And I mean, serving Asian street food in Boston is kind of this fun cosmopolitan thing that I think kind of goes against the seriousness that was in Boston for so long. Well, I feel like for a long time there was a kind of a wide gap between the dives and the fine dining, like the white tablecloth dining, right? And actually, Shoju is a great example of kind of being right in the middle. I feel like Chinatown is always going to be a late night, after hours kind of place, but... You can get a lot of different options there now. Well, that so it's important to point out there's always been various types of Asian cuisine in Boston, but they were sort of kind of like relegated to that zone. It was also and, like hard to find. Yeah. It was like really hard to find the good stuff. Like if you wanted to get a good bowl of pho, you had to go out to like Roxbury. Yeah. And uh, there was one place in, uh, which I did frequently, and it was it's really good pho, but you have to like make the trek. Yeah. And then there was like, this one place in Alston, Super 88, which was like, it's an Asian grocery store, but then they have like a little food court out front and you had to like go there to get some actually legit Indonesian nasi goreng or something, yeah. but which I is f- much, it's much easier to find in a city in New York, for example. Yeah, but I think the, the difference is like, okay, so you sort of trekked out to find that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think, I, I think historically Boston didn't really embrace that stuff or get curious about integrating it yeah. into the sort of culinary fabric of the city. And it sounds like that's changing. I know that's been changing, which is really exciting because it does have those populations and those populations are legit and like they're there and they bring the real shit from where they're from. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting to hear that that stuff is starting to creep out into or is already crept. Again, I'm old. I, don't, I, sh- I shouldn't pretend that I'm like in touch with this. So one of my favorite places, and this is, I think pretty old hat at this point, but for a visitor trying to do something unconventional. So there's this place that's very well known in, Bo- in Bo- it's in Cambridge called Oleana, which does sort of somewhat elevated Mediterranean cuisine. But what is less known is that the same people have an outpost elsewhere in Cambridge 
called Sofra, and it's right on this corner, kind of from on the way from Cambridge to Arlington, if I'm not mistaken, right next to, and Todd, you should jump in if I'm wrong about my geography here, but like right next to, to Mount Auburn Cemetery, mm-hmm. which I think is a, just a day in itself. Because it's literally like almost across the street. So you go there. It's this tiny little, very casual cafe with incredible hummus and just other quick Middle Eastern eats. Which maybe it sounds strange. I'm not like some, you know, grave hopper. Yeah, grave hopper. But Mount Auburn Cemetery is has to be one of the most beautiful cemeteries in the country, especially on like a fall day or a late summer day. It you can walk around it for hours. There's, you know, graves dating back 300, 400 years to these old New England families. There's a hill that you can climb up to with a watch, which with a sort of a lookout tower on it that you can go to the top of, and you just have this incredible view of Cambridge into Boston. So that is like a day in itself built around what's also like a great meal at a Sofra. I like the idea of like, okay, here's a neighborhood what are you going there for? If we did like mm. rapid fire, Seb, can I throw some rapid fire at you? Oh Do you feel like you're, you can throw it at me? Do you want to give me neighborhoods? No, no you can. Well, you, well I, I, you should start to, so you okay. can set the precedent. Okay, let's start north of the Charles. Okay, so meanwhile, the Charles River bisects the city. Let me let me run with this for a second. So, you can go. Up She's in, looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't interrupt me. Don't interrupt me. <laughs> you can uh, the Esplanade, Charles River Esplanade, is also a gorgeous, gorgeous walk or run if you are a runner, or if you are or a, ride, a, a rower ride. or a bike rider. All great. Um, north of the Charles is Cambridge, Harvard Square, Somerville, Central Square, mm-hmm. right? South of the Charles is Commonwealth Ave, Kenmore, Alston, Back Bay, etc. Okay, so if you lived north of the Charles, Seb, okay, Harvard Square, what's your gut reaction? Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh. no, you should go, you should go. It's become, I think it's become extremely, like, touristy and, like, not a... Not in like a great way. Harvard's beautiful. Go walk around the campus. Yeah. It's amazing. There's a lot the of also. The bookstore is amazing. Yeah, the bookstore is amazing. The bookstore there's also there is this. Amazing. It's maybe a weird recommendation, but there's this amazing, like, little, like, very, very old school tobacco shop. Um, just like go into it just to see what they're selling because it's, it's very charming. I remember that tobacco yeah, store. It's still there. there. I think it's still there. I imagine it's still there. And it's like, you know, if you, if you, I'd start there and then walk along through Cambridgeport to Central Square. It's a beautiful walk to kind of see how. Cantabrigians live. I think that's what the <laughs> okay, denomination is. What's the personality of Central Square? Central Square is nightlife, live music. Um, you've got the kind of whole Middle East complex there. It's a collection of three, now four venues, actually, because they took over TT the Bears, which was my favorite place Me in too. Central Square. Yeah. Best place for music. Doesn't exist anymore. <sighs> now it's another Middle East venue. And... Um, but it's all it's not just like rock venues. They've got like a little place called Zuzu, which like will have random like midtown nights in this tiny space. It's super fun. Also, a lot of kind of veggie and vegan restaurants, and you know, what come that whole vibe. That sounds great. Okay, yeah. just north is it Somerville? Yeah. Well, first you hit Inman Square, Inman Square, which is on the yeah. It's like from Central. Do you, you pass go, through Inman Square as a visitor? Or you keep. Or oh, you could. I mean, it's. I think it's another kind of up and coming neighborhood in terms of restaurants. There's an. I think the best, in my opinion, the best Indian food in the Boston area is in this little spot called Punjabi Daba nice. in Inman Square. Kind of Indian street food. It's great. Okay, Somerville. 
Somerville, I don't know. It's changing so rapidly that I cannot say with confidence what it's like now. I mean, Todd, you want to throw the ball to Todd? Yeah. When, when I was there, it was like amazing for like, there's a big Portuguese community out there, a big Brazilian community. There's a huge Brazilian community in Boston. Yeah. A huge Azorian community yeah. randomly. So yeah. a lot of kind of Portuguese and Portuguese adjacent communities. Um, and it was kind of a very up and coming area. There was like Davis Square. There was like a theater there that's very old school and and very charming but yeah i don't know what somerville's like now it's changing what's somerville like now somerville somerville is still um kind of the up-and-coming sort of more affordable neighborhood that a lot of young people are moving to Mm -hmm. and i think there's some really funky like dive bars there right now still um one that comes to mind is Trina's Starlight Lounge, which is like a perennial favorite. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, that's great. Kind of this like funky dive. They serve like bologna sandwiches. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So that's North. You want to give me South? Sure. Uh, back Bay. Newberry Street and make a beeline for Isabella Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Oh, hell yeah. It is Word f- about that. Like, oh, it's fantastic. It's amazing. It's That's a, a, and it's a so, very unusual. So thing. unique. Like, yeah. You yeah. don't it's see very a museum unusual. like that. Yeah. I believe it's a Victorian home. Please fact check me. And it is born of this woman's collection, private collection. She was super eclectic and boho from like a century ago. And this home was turned into a beautiful private museum with like a salon style display of the art and artifacts so you can kind of walk through and it's all hanging in the rooms and there's like antique chairs and things but it's such a distinctive set of art and it's also the site of one of like the bigger art heists i think in u.s history yeah (laughs) right (laughs) but yeah it was a rembrandt oh it was a rembrandt Rembrandt. yeah oh Mm -hmm. my god what happened Stolen. I don't know. I forgot how it happened. But. Or someone like stolen. stole it and replaced it with a forgery or something. It was like very um, involved. Okay. So it's one of the best museums, not just in the city, but I'd say in the country. In the country, for sure. Yeah. And it was also like she was like very particular, right, about where what she wanted where. She yes. kind of curated the whole thing before she left us. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, Park Street in the common area. Oh, you have to go, you have to walk through the gardens and the common, right? I mean, yeah, we haven't talked about. Oh, that. yeah. You even totally if you don't get to. on a swan boat, like you have to just spend a it's little while, gorgeous. like looking at the flowers, like. Yeah. And while you're doing it, you have to think about that. At one point, it was used for cows. Yeah, that is what a common what do you mean, was. Like grazing. Yeah, yeah it was grazing. Oh, I didn't know that. That's <laughs> what a common means. That's oh. where the tragedy of the commons comes from. Oh. Boston Common is the commons that they were talking about. Well, I what mean, was, they, what was the was tragedy? Like, Oh, the tragedy of the commons is this Cows economic died. theory where this is completely not a traveler thing, but when a collective is responsible for something and people can uh, take advantage of it, they will. Basically, the, the tragedy of the commons is nobody's responsible, but everybody can take advantage of it. I'm probably getting that wrong. Somebody can tweet at us and tell us <laughs> what the tragedy <laughs> of the commons actually is. Well, there's no tragedy there now. It is. No, it's Absolutely beautiful. Gorgeous, yeah, it's gorgeous, especially in the spring. Um, there's like one of the entry points has a giant George Washington statue. I think he's on horseback and it's always surrounded by these like multi- beautiful blooms, multicolored. It's just you go for your Instagram It's also feed. like this manage- manageable park. Like it's yeah. not it's not it's like I mean, I love Central Park, but Central Park is enormous and the 
common is like you can actually sort of take it it's in. It's Boston sized. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It, it feels human sized. Yeah, the public gardens you can literally pass through on your commute each day, and it's you know the loveliest little I don't know ten minute walk yeah. maybe. Yeah, totally. And if you're visiting in the summer, Shakespeare on the Common is one of the oh, great yeah. summer okay. things to do in Boston. And unlike New York, you can actually go you can actually and, go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> actually get a nice seat. And... You don't have to pay somebody $1,000 <laughs> yeah, exactly. just to go see your free show. <laughs> um, what am I missing? I'm missing... Uh, like theater district oh talk about the theater because this is another place where i feel like boston boston has really good theater it you know i'm gonna i'm not gonna disagree i'm gonna say for a city of that size i'm gonna say boston has better music boston has always always had a really great music scene underground big big um boston has some really cool like edgy indie theater too like small stage spoken word performance art they it's a i don't know it's a city full of students and artists right so you're gonna get cool weird shit all the time and it's going to be such a high caliber it was the same for music it's it's a breeding ground for comedy um i've pixies pixies <laughs> what the about the pixies? said yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you have favorite music venues there at todd or sebastian um yeah i mean i had a lot i think there's great scott in alston which is kind of an institution and it was always like the one to work up to and once you got there it was like okay what's next you know it was and um and i think it's still there and it's still putting on mostly very local shows but kind of the local bands that have made it through the first tier onto the next you know like i said the middle east kind of has a monopoly on central square now um, with multiple venues putting on multiple shows every night there was at one point and i know most of maybe i mean no maybe that's presumptuous of me some listeners might not be interested in this, but there was for a while an incredible like DIY music scene there because of all the college students. In the later months to year that I was there, out of the three or, three or so years I was there total, they were clamping down on that a lot. They literally had, this is a true story, they had undercover cops on Facebook writing in like music, DIY music groups like, hey kids, where's the cool punk show tonight <laughs> <laughs> and then they would show up and break up the show and shut down the venue so that's a little sad oh you know what i like as a side note to that i feel like you can always feel young in boston because you're gonna get carded wherever it's you true. go yeah. i mean even if you're in your 30s you're gonna get carded because it's there's so many students and they're all going out so they're trying to and if you have a, if you are a student and you have a fake i will say from personal experience it's not gonna work yep it's the one place in the country where it won't work yep Ditto. Todd, favorite music venues? Um, <laughs> so as a counterpoint to what you guys were just talking about, I actually just two weeks ago took my six-year-old niece to a wonderful production of Aladdin Ooh. at the Boston Opera House. Nice. There you go. Um, so, I mean, Boston does have kind of great establishment places to go see shows and uh uh, Symphony Hall is the Wilbur too, right? Which is really nice. The Wilbur, yeah, thing. the Wilbur's great. Um, yeah. Any, anything oh, yeah, the Symphony, Symphony Hall. does. Symphony I mean, Hall is like oh, one of come the on, yeah, legend, like a, legendary yeah. orchestra venues. Boston Pops in the summer. Yeah, yeah. I mean the Fourth of uh, July. Because like not, oh not also God, not only do you have Berkeley School of Music there, but you also have New England Conservatory. Yeah. So you've yeah. got like across the you know genres across the spectrum of music, you've got all these all this talent. Yeah. Come, uh, up and coming talent too. Totally, you know. totally. 
this is what I mean. Like for a city that size, like outside of San Francisco, I don't think you can find another city of that size that has that caliber of musician in that in the cultural reign or, or whatever in the cultural realm. Yeah, not of that density. Yeah, all the arts, yeah. fine arts, theater, music, I mean, dance, I will comedy. say as someone who was in that music scene and then came out of it, they do also have though the curse of once you get to a certain point. Yeah, and Brett, jump in here. You moved to New York. Yeah, but the, so. but, the, but, the, but but every city, uh, but San Francisco had that too. And I knew so many jazz musicians yeah. out there who were like, "I'm not going to get better if I don't leave and right. go to New York." It's the whole f- big fish, small pond. Yeah, small fish, you know what we're doing? Ocean. We're spending this whole conversation comparing Boston and New York. It's true. We've done it. <laughs> That's what poor effing Boston. <laughs> That's what Boston does all the time. <laughs> but this is goes back to what we started with, and this was my whole point that I think it's because of the the sort of prominence of Boston in the greater national zeitgeist that like Boston does get into the same sentences as New York which in any other situation if you're looking at population size if you're looking at land area or whatever it wouldn't and I think you shouldn't go to Boston expecting New York you should go to Boston expecting Boston yeah but my point is pound for pound again this notion of punching above its weight class it's like pound for pound Boston is one tenth the size of New York and yet all of its, you know, many of these cultural institutions can compete up to a point with a, so- a city of that. Sure, size. I just think my point is that sometimes Boston lets it get to its head a little bit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Todd, what do you got to say about this? You going to take this? Are you going to let him get away with this? That's Mr. Like World L- Traveler lived everywhere, blah, blah, blah. He's speaking like a true person who's not from Boston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, not sure which way you wanted to go, but I also feel like <laughs> so you're gonna take I'm go- it. So I'm gonna take it wherever I want. <laughs> I feel like you get to Boston too, and maybe you want to get to a beach, or maybe you want to get right outside. And there's some really good little day trips too. Um, I would imagine Todd would know something about that. I don't know, did you did you do the day trips roundup too, Todd? <laughs> I certainly did. Laura. All right. <laughs> where, where are we going? Where are we going in the fall? There are so many. Oh, in the fall. In the fall, I think the best place to be is probably for a day trip. I love the cute North Shore towns. Um, Salem has come a really long way. And Salem is suddenly an interesting place to go. It's like 30 minutes. What if I'm a witch? Pardon? Don't go. What what if I'm a witch? So they're no longer killing witches up there. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I was John Proctor in a high school production. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, well crucible. All right, so is, there's a museum though, right? That's pretty good. There's a couple. Yeah, the Salem Witch Museum is great. Um, and actually, the sort of witch historians who focus on Salem, I believe, just last year or maybe even earlier this year, confirmed the spot where all the witches were hanged. <gasps> Yikes! So wow. Halloween. Cool. And it's sort of today in like a developed neighborhood, just sort of beyond downtown. But you can. That's weird. Yeah, you can. We all know, right? Wait, I just want to check. We all know they weren't actually witches, right? (laughs) Uh, What are you talking about? (laughs) They were not actually witches. They were just women. (laughs) Just women. Well, as in, it wasn't okay to just. I got to laugh at Todd for that one. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. All right. So, is, where do you do you stay? Do you go for a, a day trip or a long weekend to Salem? I would do Salem as a day trip. 
Um, if you did want to stay over, there's some cute places to stay. The Hotel Salem is a cute little boutique hotel. Um, and they're priced pretty competitively, so it kind of makes a good case for making a day trip from Boston. Where else? Summer. Because uh, summer's not done yet. Walden Pond? Yes? No? Maybe? I love Walden Pond. There's great history there. Um, again, the first thing you should know is that it's called Concord, not Concord. <laughs> <laughs> Concord. Uh, Concord. And actually, if you're a biker at all, there's a really great rail trail that goes from, I think it's Davis Square in Cambridge, directly up to Lexington. Yeah. How um, long is it? Do we know? I don't it remember. Is, my oh. guess from Cambridge to Concord is probably seven miles. Sounds about right. Yeah, It's not crazy. Okay. But isn't, yeah. Con- isn't Concord kind of like a pretty shishi town these days? I think the most shishi towns are going to be closer to the ocean. But, yeah, it's a nice place to live. My dentist is there. He's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, Walden Pond is its own thing. You're what not do you really do in at town. Walden Pond? You bring do you go your to a friends, shack you bring, and read a book? You read you Emerson. Book, or you bring yeah. some friends. Or, throw. or th- Yeah, throw. You bring a, a picnic. You hang okay. out. You go swimming. Is it, I- is it just because it's idyllic you go and spend an afternoon there? Yeah, and it's, like, nice to think about this old dude hanging out there hermits <laughs> although he used to bring his laundry to his, professorship in your future although my he friend. used to bring his laundry to his parents house did you ever hear that <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that great. just shows how smart he was um but that's, no you can like actually there's like a trail that goes around the whole pond so you can kind of walk around they've got like a i don't think it's the real thing but they've got like a you know a reconstruction of henry david's shack you can peer into um, Are you on a first yeah. middle name basis with him? Yeah. <laughs> Henry David. HD. <laughs> um, I there, would imagine it was Spartan. Wait, how how far Henry is Dave. Walden? What? <laughs> how far is Walden Pond? Um, it's not far, right? Driving from Boston, maybe like an, an hour less? Way less. Way I would less. say okay. if, if there's no traffic, you could be there in like 25 minutes. Oh, okay. You slow driver. <laughs> yeah. I never drove. Yeah, what are you talking about? You, do you even have a license? <laughs> You're trying to translate walking. <laughs> to uh, no, cycling. Out. I used to. I used to bike it. And then beaches. You said North Shore because South Shore is it like Hingham situate? Are those more residential? They're more residential. It's harder to day trip there if you don't have a car. Okay. Um, but North Shore is a bit more accessible. Um, I love Newburyport. It's a really charming oh, place. It's beautiful. To get yeah. To. Easily on the train, and then uh, you can take a rent a bike or maybe take a quick cab over to Plum Island, which is the beach sort of adjacent mm-hmm. to town. This is a weird one, and maybe you can tell me if this is uh, bad and we can just delete it. But I did this a couple of times when I lived in Boston, and so maybe it's not right for a visitor. But if you are, you know, crunch for time, I think most people don't realize you can get to the beach on the T. You can go I did not know that. on the blue line all the way up to like Revere. If I'm not mistaken, like right across from Logan. So you see like all the planes taking off and landing. Doesn't sound like prime real estate, my man. That's fun for plane spotting. (laughs) If you're into that, ask DJ, our (laughs) colleague, he'd be down. Also, also. He just threw DJ under the bus. Side note, it's a huge Colombian neighborhood. So it's like incredible Colombian food. Okay, so there you go. Right on the beach. Okay. And I will say um, Kelly's Roast Beef has a location in Revere Beach. What is Kelly's Roast Beef? They're sort of a local favorite. They do like the best roast beef sandwich in town. And um, they do also have killer lobster rolls and seafood. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure that's their original location, but directly on the beach. So you can get a little lobster roll, go sit and fight with the seagulls. Todd, what beach are you going to? Um, <laughs> I'm partial to Provincetown. Okay. And, but that's and how long a, does that take yeah, you? Yeah, on a weekend. You can take a ferry there. It takes about 90 minutes. Okay, Absolutely. not bad. Not bad. Um, you could do it as a day trip. It would be a long day, but... I mean, the beaches there are amazing. It's the very tip of Cape Cod. You and can walk everywhere. And when we were talking about this earlier yeah. in the day, like until when is that? Is Cape Cod is, is Cape Cod P Town like whatever? Like, how long can you actually get out there before it sort of shuts down? I believe the ferry goes until sometime in October. Probably Columbus Day is my guess. Okay, Which that is, makes sense. Uh, I think that's like October 7th around there this year. So. Yeah, yeah uh, it's not year-round. Um, if you have a car and you're willing to do an overnight, there's definitely places to stay and your options will be limited, but there will be things to do and see out there. And it's kind of beautiful to go um, when there's no one there. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely like a beachy, go there when it's warm kind of place. But now is a great time of year to go there, because especially and maybe after Labor like Day. Right after Labor right Day. Right after Labor Day, like between then and that oh, Columbus Some of the Day. best beach weekends are the first two, three weekends in September. So yeah. All the kids are back in school. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't have to sit in traffic going on, on was it 6, Highway 6 or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> it's, the traffic is bad, be forewarned. If you are driving and you're going it's on a like Friday, out to like the Cape, you mean? Le- leave early. Yeah. 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 It's like Long Island. Yes, yeah. it is absolutely like Long Island. The We're Northeast. comparing it to New York again. It's Sorry, its own I, I, thing. I'm just saying, like, the Northeast Give the is Northeast traffic a challenged. All right, fine. It's true. Traffic challenged. <laughs> he's, I love, he's laughing thanks, maniacally. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> I know we're we're probably running on short on time, but we haven't talked about bars. I will say, oh, here's a weird, oh. but here's a weird one. That's a huge subject. How have we here's forgotten a weird, that? I just I just want to plug it. What's wrong with that? I want to plug it, and this is weird. But my favorite bar in the United States of America is <gasps> in Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wait, is it in Harvard Square? Nope, it's oh. in Central Square. Okay, fine. And part of what this is, is it? because it's tied to nostalgia, and it's tied to my time there, and it was literally like twelve steps from my apartment. But it's this little place called The Field. Have you ever went to it? Mm-mm. Todd, have you ever been there? No. Tell me. You should check it out. It's You're going to go in there and be like, really, this? Um, <laughs> but it's, you're really selling it, buddy. It's, wow. So it's an Irish pub in, really? in the Boston Shocking. area. Wow, yeah, I know, right? Mind-blowing. But there's just like there's just like a vibe. Like it smells a little like, you know, French fry oil. Um, and urine. In the like, I've been going back there every time I go back to Boston. I go have a beer there, and it's been the same like three white-haired old Irish men running the bar the entire time. So that's like you know you can't fifteen tell them years apart. now. No, there's three of them. I can tell you, there's three of them. Yes, but um, you don't know which one you're exactly, looking at. Exactly. And, and, and they also time. like I used to you know I lived in down the street with a bunch of friends. We used to go there multiple times a week. Never gave us any special treatment. Never even acknowledged that we were regulars. You know, it was that kind of vibe. Yeah. It has a huge patio in the back for summer days. When you're days. there three times a day, <laughs> then <laughs> we'll talk. Then we'll talk. Not not to compare it again, but, you know, I live in New York now, and it's something that I haven't found in New York. You know, it was like a place that, like, just, like, felt really nice to sit down and have a beer. It's hard to find a local in New York that yeah, survived exactly. in the same way. I feel like pub culture is still very much a real thing right. in Boston. And, and the field is like part of that like yeah. really old school pub culture. And like I haven't found that elsewhere. Why was well, it called the field? I mean, 
It's a great question. I have no idea. Maybe they're like usually you know they usually call like away. O'Hara's or well yeah there's a O'Doul's lot of or because it's not your the- regular Irish pub <laughs> <laughs> except it has everything that you want from your exactly. regular Irish pub you can get fish and chips too if you really want it I feel like our next thing should be the best dive bars in Boston because we have a great bars list that Todd put together and there mm. are places to get fantastic cocktails and they're in there's some in hotels Todd, Todd tell, us, tell us tell us some of those and then places we could, we'll end on dive bars. Uh, I think an interesting and kind of important to Boston's bar history kind of place um, is Drink by Barbara Lynch, which is in, again, the Seaport District that I mentioned earlier. It was kind of the first mixology place in Boston where it didn't have a menu and you just go in and chit-chat with the bartender and they make you something. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that was really revolutionary. I think it opened in like 07 or 08, but that's a good one. Personally, me, I love the like old boston kind of feeling places where you can just go get like a perfect old-fashioned and sit by a fireplace and talk about literature i don't know or what's the red f- Sox. What's, or the red Sox. red Sox. what's your favorite of those i love hawthorne yeah. inside the hotel commonwealth you mentioned that laura mm-hmm. yeah okay all right you want to talk about dive bars oh so You're many to go well, the field, it just, it spurs so much nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think it's that like swing between dive experiences and really high end experiences. And there are so many students there. You got to cater to different price points, right? Yeah. So Boston does dive bars so well. I have mm. t-shirts from dive bars that I loved in <laughs> Boston. I have a dugout cafe. If anyone ever went to BU, it's right on Commonwealth Ave under a building smelled like popcorn and a little hint of urine and it was just the <laughs> best is where we went like every wednesday night <laughs> did you did you frequent the silhouette lounge i don't know where's that that's also in alston mm, no on, like, i went right on brookline have it's like free popcorn sticky floors yep. stained pool table you know it's a good time. Good time. It's a good time. And then up in Harvard, Grendel's Den is like a quintessential oh, yeah. Harvard bar. Or if you're visiting from out of town, Harvard bar. There was the, what's the bar in Harvard where it's three stories and on the first floor it's a Chinese food restaurant, second floor is a, a bar, and the third is a dance f- club. And you wow. get scorpion balls. Oh, that's uh, Hong Yo, Kong. That's that Hong is Kong. famous. Hong that Kong. place yes, is famous. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. That has been there for something. generations. Yep. Like my brother went to, co- when he was in college, they used to go there. That was a long time ago. It's a that, classic. Yes. The scorpions, are, the scorpions are famous. Also yep. in Harvard Square, also pretty famous is Charlie's Beer yep. Kitchen, which has a huge yep. beer garden in the back. Tons of different rotating drafts from New England, which is also home to a lot of great beers. Yes. So, yeah, there's it's just like... There's a lot of homegrown beer. It's a lot of homegrown beer in Boston of, proper. Yes, in Boston you proper. can go visit the Harpoon Brewery. It's yeah, it's yeah. a fun time. Yeah, it ain't just Sam Adams. Even though that's the only thing you could find at Rite Aid. Today, that's all right? I can find. <laughs> They're not doing it real, like as you said. No respect. <laughs> not doing it right. No, no, nothing wrong with Sam Adams. Nothing wrong with, with yeah. old Sam. Yeah. Okay, Todd. Before we go. Any parting shots? Anything we haven't touched on that you just feel like if someone were coming that you and you just you you felt like they just really got to do it? I think North End is a quintessential Boston thing. And that's sort of a must visit if you're looking for a great meal, a great place to walk around after dinner, um, taking the sights of a quaint neighborhood. That's a definitely must do for me. 
Oh, plug for Museum of Fine Arts. It's, oh, it's there's great. There's a Japanese Buddhist temple room in there that is the most peaceful place in the entire city. Yeah. It is one of the better museums of that kind in the country, for sure. Oh, then there's the, 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 the Arnold Arboretum. Oh, yeah. Which is in JP, right? It's in Jamaica Plain? Yep. Yeah, so that's another one that I would, one thing I'd want to call out that we didn't mention. We talked about Mount Auburn Cemetery, which is a great place to walk around, take in some kind of nature and <laughs> graves. But uh, the Arnold Arboretum, which is Harvard University's Arboretum, which is in Jamaica Plain, a neighborhood we mentioned earlier, is just like astounding as well. Um, and it's kind of like a lesson in tree botany too, because it's sort of separated by pines and firs and whatever else, and you can go through it. It's, it has its own, uh, there's like a whole bonsai section, so all these different bonsai trees, and just a very like peaceful place for a nice fall walk or a summer walk. Wow. Guys, I think Boston sounds amazing. No, it's actually yeah, it making is. me like really nostalgic. A little nostalgic. Talking about I might it. go. Yeah. I might yeah. go this fall. Yeah. Okay. Todd, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you. And thanks to both of you guys. Thanks to everybody listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Um, we are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com. Check out our awesome uh, Boston guide, which Todd worked on, and many other people. It's terrific. All of our guides are terrific, and this one's no exception. The Women Who Travel podcast, um, if you have not subscribed to that, you need to. Um, you've heard Lale, talk, uh, Lale and Meredith talk about that many times on the show. And we are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram and Twitter. And you should follow us at both of those places. And please do tweet at us. If we missed your favorite place in Boston, let us know. And we will happily uh, retweet that out to our followers. Uh, send us feedback, review us on iTunes. Todd, where can people get in touch with you on the social media if they should wish to do so? My Instagram is eatgaylove. Okay. And that Instagram is your place to be. Sure is. All right. Why not? Uh, Seb, where are you at? I'm at Seb Modak. Bring on all the hate from Bostonians who... Why? Because I said that they were too big for their breeches. Oh. <laughs> breeches. Breeches is also so revolutionary. <laughs> I'm just trying to go with the whole Freedom Trail theme, you know? Hey, don't send me hate mail. I'm at Laura underscore Redman on Instagram. And, and you are not waiting for me at all today, man. No. Okay. Why? <laughs> Brad, where are you? Talk about big for breaches. <laughs> I'm at Brad Rick. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>